There's a ghost in the room this morning, and his name is Holy. <laughs> I said there's a spirit in the room this morning, and his name is Holy, and he is Holy. And he is worthy of your reverence, your awe, your surrender. He's worthy to have the authority in your life, all of it. I came here today to declare no spirit, but the Holy Spirit is allowed in this room. I'm excited to be back with you. We've been gone for about a month. We went on a tour down the West Coast in a 26-foot-long camper that we converted into a podcast studio. And as a family, we traveled 4,778 miles. We were interviewing leaders, pastors, and Christian influencers, talking to them about their pain. Because we're teaching a whole generation to look at other people's lives on social media through filters and think that everybody else's life is perfect. Don't sit down. Stand up, please. I'm going to read the Bible in a second. Stay standing. I'm just giving you context. Thank you. We're really excited to be back with our home church. And my assignment today is to close this series called The Promise. The promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit who comes to live in you. If you have a Bible, turn it, open it to Acts chapter 20. That's where we're going to read today. It's part of Paul's journey as he's traveling and doing ministry. And at this particular moment, he's on his way back to Jerusalem. Now, before I read that, I want to quote to you one of the first verses that I memorized when I actually started following Jesus. Because I grew up in church my whole life, but then I actually started following Jesus and somebody started discipling me. And he said, I want you to memorize this verse, Galatians 2.20. You may have heard it before. You may have memorized it before. I memorized it as a young person. And he taught me to memorize, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Now, if you've been crucified, that means you're dead. Crucifixion works, takes care of life. So here, Paul, this author writes, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But the life I do live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I was thinking about this verse. I was thinking, is this just something written by some pastor in some cozy little study surrounded by books? You know, well, this would be a good verse to have kids memorize one day. Or did he really mean it? Well, we get to see in Acts chapter 20 that the life lived out after the verse was written was reality. This is what happens in Acts 20, verse 17. After his ministry, he's on his way back to Jerusalem, and this is what happens. It says, from Miletus, he's, from Miletus, he sent to the elders in Ephesus, and he called them to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know that I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. See, Ephesus was in modern day Turkey. Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink back from declaring anything that was profitable. Friends, today I intend to not shrink back from teaching you 
of some things that are profitable for you. Even if you have never heard them before, even if you don't know how you feel about them, God sent me to speak to you of truths from which you will find freedom. And so I will not shrink back. He says, I did not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit. Why don't you say that with me? Constrained by the Spirit. Are you constrained by the Holy Spirit? He says, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Hello. Thank you, Lord. It's not the prophetic word you prayed for, but that's crazy. The Holy Spirit is testifying to him that there's always affliction waiting. But I do not account my life as of any value or precious to myself, if only I may finish the course of the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus, testifying to the gospel of the grace of God. Lord, I thank you for your word and that you speak through it every time. And we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your Holy Spirit here in this room. And we declare, we want nothing but the Holy Spirit. We say no spirit, but the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we don't just invite you into the room. We give you the whole room. We don't just invite you into a little part of our heart. We give you our whole heart. We give you our whole mind. We give you all of our emotions. We give you our past, our present, and our future. We say we want you to have full ownership and authority in the name of Jesus, amen. You can have a seat. Thank you so much, worship team. Put your hands together for them. Worship team, you can come back in about 15 minutes. Like I said, we were on a tour in a camper with a family recording a new podcast, and we had ups and downs in every sense of the word, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Our vehicle went up and down many mountains in between Arcata and Redi in California, and we overheated in the hills at 100 degrees. Stuff is literally boiling out of my car. But it was fun. We are glad to be back, but we had a great time. I interviewed this one uh, gentleman and him and his family turned out to be some of the most generous people that I've ever met. And he really likes electricity a lot, apparently, because he owns electric dirt bikes and electric skateboards and electric scooters and electric water foils. And he has an electric car. Now, I didn't really know, so, I mean, I knew, I, I've been in a Tesla before, but I, I didn't really know much about Teslas, so he has this Tesla, and he says, hey, Craig, this is the highest horsepower vehicle that you can buy. More than any gas-powered vehicle, more than a Bugatti or a Lamborghini, this particular Tesla, is called the Plaid, has 1,100 horsepower. I was like, Really? What's also interesting about electric vehicles is that electric power is instantaneous torque. So he says to me, this particular Tesla 
has a mode called drag strip mode. I was like, tell me more. <laughs> he says, if you push this button right here, the, the batteries, uh, it starts conditioning the batteries. It takes 10 to 20 minutes to condition the batteries to drag race. I was like, really? He said, yeah. The funny thing is, I get sick when I do it, so I don't want to do it, but do you? I said, absolutely. He's like, so I'm not even going to ride with you. Really? You're going to let me drive? I'm pretty sure his vehicle costs at least six figures. So he gave me the keys, and we went to an officially regulated drag strip or a road in the prairie on the sticks. It was safe. I promise it was safe. So you push, you push drag strip mode. It takes about 10, 20 minutes to condition the batteries, right? And then you get in the vehicle and it's in the mode. It's ready. It knows what you're getting ready to do. And this is what you do. These are the instructions. It tells you, you are to slam on the brake for at least three seconds. And then the vehicle goes into cheetah stance. Literally the front of the vehicle goes down. And it's like, okay. And then you really need to put your head like back against the headrest or it's going to be bad news. Because then you, then you stomp on the gas pedal while you're holding the brake. You're holding both down for at least three seconds. And then in the Teslas, like they have all these screens and stuff. It's like a spaceship. All the screens in the Tesla change from their regular screen to like this orange, like drag strip. It's like, we're ready. And then you let go of the brake and you go 60 miles an hour in 1.9 seconds. It's insane. And then before you know it, you're going 90. And then I braked, but I've never felt anything like it before. Now, why do I tell you that? I tell you that because my friend owned the Tesla, but he gave me authority over it. He didn't even sit in the car. It was his vehicle, but he gave me the keys. What I came here today to ask you is, does the Holy Spirit own you and does he have authority? Because there's something about ownership and there's something about authority and they're not always the same thing. Does God own you and does God have complete authority in your life? I invite you to begin to answer that question. Today we read a passage about one of the apostles that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. You know him well, the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest evangelists and leaders of all time. And, and I just think about Galatians 2.20, this verse, it was one of the first verses I memorized. And I just think, I, sometimes we just learn how to memorize these verses. And when I was 18 years old, I memorized this verse about being crucified with Christ. When I think back on those years of my life and I had the verse memorized, but was the content of the verse a reality in my life? Because there's a big difference. You can go through the religious motions, know the verses, know what the right answer is in Sunday school and not have it be a reality in your life. I've been crucified with Christ. That sounds great, but have you really died? And so I think about the fact that Paul, 
He writes verses like this, declaring that about himself, but we get to also see in his life whether or not that played out in reality. And then here what we read in, in Acts chapter 20, we hear him say, hey, I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm constrained by the Holy Spirit to go. I don't know what's gonna happen to me. Nevertheless, he's telling me to go, so I'm going. Why? Because he has authority in my life. Now, what he didn't know in Acts 20, he came to find out in Acts 21, and we know now, which is this. Watch what happens in Acts 21, just one chapter later for us, a little bit later for him. It says this, Acts 20, verse 10. While we were, while we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And, he, and coming to us, he took Paul's belt and he bound his feet and his hands. Don't you pay attention to that word, Bound. He bound his feet in his hands. And he says this, thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him to the hands of the Gentiles. When he heard this, uh, when we heard this, we and the people urged him not to go to Jerusalem. And then Paul answered, what are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I'm ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and we said, let the will of the Lord be done. And then what we know is at the end of that same chapter, he does end up in Jerusalem and he does end up bound and in chains. Now, I called the police this week and I asked if one of them could come up here and arrest me in front of all of you. <laughs> Apparently they can't because of liability, but I was like, just right after the prayer, come up here and just slam me on the table. <laughs> I don't know what it feels like. I know some of you do. <laughs> Raise your hand if you... No, just joking. <laughs> we don't want half of our pastoral staff raising their hand. <laughs> <laughs> but, but when you're arrested, they have the authority. So Paul says, I'm constrained by the Holy Spirit, so I need to go. And what happened when he obeyed the Holy Spirit is that he was bound. Now, what I came to found out, find out is that in the Acts chapter 20, when he says, I'm constrained by the Holy Spirit, that word constrained, can anybody guess it? Is bound. In other words, he's saying, the Holy Spirit's already arrested me. The Spirit of God has bound me and I'm under his authority. Therefore, I do whatever he tells me to do, even if it means that my life is going to be bound and I'm going to end up in prison or in death. I want to ask you today, has the Holy Spirit bound you? When you think about the thoughts that you think, the words that you speak, the actions that you take, the things that you do, the things that you pursue in life, who really has the authority to make the decisions in your world? Is your life bound to the will of the Holy Spirit or do you still maintain some of the authority? Because remember, he owned the Tesla, but he gave me authority over it. I wanna let you know 
that your life can belong to God, but you can still maintain authority over your choices. You know that, right? Were you absolutely freed from sin the moment you were saved? No, you know you still have the choice. So who has the authority over your life? Do you belong to God? Does, Does God own you? But does he also have authority? So when it comes to authority in your life, I would pose it like this. Do you, do you maintain the authority over your life like your own spirit? Your own spirit, your own flesh, your own sinful desires, the sinful humanity. Is it your spirit that really operates the authority in your world? Or does the Holy Spirit have authority in your life? Or is there another spirit that maybe has taken some authority in your life. For some today, I came to call you to repentance. If there's anything that by the end of this you identify is something that you need to repent of, then I'm talking to you. For some today, we came to call out trespassers like sickness and disease and we want to pray for healing trusting the spirit of God to bring healing in your life and there may be some here today that I came to call out evil demonic and ungodly spirits no spirit but the Holy Spirit is allowed in the house of God or in the people of God But you need to know that you can give authority and authority can be taken. Now I recognize that in church we talk, we talk all the time about salvation, we talk about preaching, we talk about the gospel. And so you, you generally understand that. We, we talk about all the time. And even if you're here today and, and you haven't been born again, you, you don't know God in a right relationship. I think at least you understand the concept of that. And, and if not, You're in the right place. Praise God. We're going to give you an opportunity to be born again today. We talk about in church healing quite often, at least in this church, we pray for healing. We we talk about it. I think you understand the concept of healing. We talk about prophecy here in this church quite often. I think you understand the concept. Unfortunately, we don't always, especially in the church at large, we don't always talk about deliverance. And I recognize that for some that makes you feel uncomfortable. It makes you feel, I don't know. And what, what, what did I get myself into? And I just want to let you know simply that God wants full ownership of your life and full authority over your life. And if there's any authority that's been given to either your flesh or to another spirit, he doesn't want it and neither should you. Here's just a few things to remember. Demons and evil spirits were all over the New Testament. Question, where'd they all go? Did they all go to Africa? Two, a major aspect of Jesus's ministry that had no predecessor in the Old Testament was deliverance. Was there preaching in the Old Testament? Was there healing in the Old Testament? Was there prophecy in the Old Testament? All of these things, miracles, signs and wonders in the Old Testament, all of these things happened and they happened by Jesus as well. 
but there's not one example of deliverance in the Old Testament. When Jesus shows up, he says, now you know the kingdom of God is upon you because I cast out evil spirits. Number three, did you know that Jesus commanded us to cast out demons? He did. Number four, the greatest work that can be done is not deliverance from demons, it's salvation, right? So the preaching of the gospel, being heard and understood and being received by faith unto salvation, being born again is the greatest work. And we know that. And we know that Jesus called us to that. And we know that he said, go and preach the gospel to all of creation. Go and make disciples of all nations. We know that he already commanded that, right? And yet he commanded us to cast out demons. And so a question is, if preaching the gospel and leading people to salvation takes care of the demons, why did he even need to say cast out demons when we already know we're supposed to preach salvation? If salvation accomplishes the former, why command it at all? Maybe it doesn't. Maybe you can be owned by God, but there can still be another spirit that has authority in your life. Now, believe me, if you're like, I don't know if I believe you, preacher. I don't know what I think about this preacher. I feel a little uncomfortable right now. I kind of want to leave the room. I'm kind of mad at you. I get it. I'm the most uncharismatic charismatic that there is. I would, if, I, if you asked me five years ago or five months ago if I was gonna be preaching on this, no. But I've come to believe that a lot of the things that in this nation, in this generation that we throw pills at actually looked a whole lot like demons in the New Testament. <laughs> I mean, if you look at some of the symptoms in the New Testament when Jesus just cast out a demon, we'll say, oh, well, it's this, and we just throw a bunch of pills at it. In the church today, when somebody comes in with a demon, we're more likely to throw the person out of the church instead of throw the demon out of the person. We don't know what to do. Well, let's just do what Jesus asked us to do and send them out because they don't have authority over the Holy Spirit. How do you know? Well, there's two major ways of access, intrusion and moving in through open doors. Again, I ask you, can you receive salvation and still actively choose sin? Yeah, that, that's an open door for your flesh. Can you choose salvation and be owned by God, but still have open doors to demonic spirits? Yes, you have to be aware. Five of those open doors are, the, are these. Number one, ancest, uh, ancestral curses. Two, disobedience, active willful disobedience. Number three, listen up. It's not just playing with Ouija boards or practicing witchcraft or going to a psychic. Unforgiveness. It's a huge one. Number four, emotional trauma or trauma from the past. And number five, inner vows and judgments. Sometimes you can look at things that you've done and you could say, man, maybe I need to go through deliverance. Have you gone to a psychic? Have you played with crystals or consulted the stars or used a Ouija board or have practiced witchcraft? There's a lot of new age weird stuff these days that we need to like 
right? And, it, and if you've done any of that, yeah, you, you, you maybe should go through deliverance. But you can also sometimes look at the fruit that's coming out of you and say, what does this fruit look like? It's actually not that difficult to say, is this the fruit of the Holy Spirit or does it look like and sound like and smell like a different spirit? Let me say it like this. If you're a born again believer, filled with the Spirit of God, reading your Bible, not walking in active, repetitive sin, doing devotionals, practicing spiritual disciplines, and yet you still continue to feel bound to something that doesn't look like the Holy Spirit, it might mean that there's another spirit active in attacking your life. And I did not come here today to convince anybody that a Christian can be possessed. That's not even the word in the New Testament. The word is demonized. And so if you allow me, I'll just say, whether they're attacking you from afar or near or oppressing you or whatever you want, I just came here to say, they don't belong in your life anywhere to any degree. No spirit but the Holy Spirit should have ownership or authority over your life. So today we will deal with those things. Let me just give one testimony real quick because I know that there's still, there's still some walls that are up. Somebody came to Jessica and I a, a number of years ago and she was having migraines, which is just a health issue. But she started having migraines like every other day. And a sister in the church came to us and said, I feel like you might be dealing with an evil spirit. And we rejected the thought. Nope, Christians can't deal with that. We rejected it. We didn't even consider what she had to say. In fact, I was offended. And we, the insinuation that, that, that we thought was, you're claiming that we've been involved in evil things. It almost felt to me at the time that it's almost like you're saying that we're welcoming evil in our life. So no way. Now what I've come to believe is that it's not just witches and warlocks and those that use Ouija boards that could potentially be affected by unclean spirits. It's not this stigma that sometimes it's because there's been an open door in your life since your childhood or even since the womb. And what happens is there's maybe a, a little open door and, and then we come into an agreement with the things that are not of God and that door and we start to give place to something that doesn't belong there. It doesn't mean that these evil spirits own you. You're owned by the Holy Spirit if you're born again. But it may mean that they have access, right? I own my house, but if I left my front door open and robbers came in, whose fault is that? Shut the door, kick them out, deal with it. Take authority over your house. So today, in the fifth week of this series, talking about the Holy Spirit, we're gonna begin to engage with the Holy Spirit. Don texted me uh, through our, about halfway through our tour and he said, hey, is it everything you expected? And I thought about it for a second. I said, yeah, it is, it is actually what I expected because we came in with not a whole lot of expectations because I knew that God was telling us, this isn't gonna be, like you can have expectations, but it's gonna be different and there's gonna be letdowns and there's gonna be things that you didn't foresee that are great that I'm gonna do for you. And, and so it, it wasn't what we expected, but that was a good thing. And I just wanna invite you today to set aside your expectations, your, your routine of coming to church and just 
Just say, Holy Spirit, whatever you want. Because he does want freedom for you. So I'm gonna tell you what we're gonna do before we do it because I want you to engage with your faith. This is what we're gonna do, seven things. We're gonna make a faith-filled verbal commitment to King Jesus. Number two, we're gonna walk through repentance because repentance is extremely important. And repentance is for the things that you've chosen, this maybe sin that you've been walking in, addictions, something that's, it's not even demonic. It's not even a spirit. It's just your flesh. It's just anything that's not of God in your life that, that you need to repent of. And I believe the Holy Spirit's gonna begin to point those things out to you. And you're gonna have an opportunity to repent of those things and surrender them back to God. Number three, we're gonna invite the Holy Spirit to take complete ownership and authority. We're gonna de- declare together no spirit, but the Holy Spirit. Number four, we're gonna walk through forgiveness because forgiveness is extremely important. Number five, we're gonna renounce any and all allegiance to any authority other than the Holy Spirit. Number six, I'm gonna take authority over any, any spirit and I'm gonna corporately command them to leave. And number seven, we're gonna worship the King of Kings. Would you stand to your feet? Not by power, not by might, but by my, by my spirit, says the Lord. God, I pray right now that you come and do what only you can do, that you break down every wall, every doubt, every line and deceptive spirit, every bit of anger that does not come from you. Lord, we give you the room. We don't just invite you into the room. We give you the whole room. What I want to do now is lead you in a prayer of confession and repentance because this is where it starts. Surrendering your life to Jesus as king and supreme authority of your life. And so if you've never made that commitment before, I encourage you to pray this out loud with me as a response to the faith that's inside. I'm asking you, is the faith in your heart saying, I know that I'm called and ready to surrender my life to Jesus? to step off of the throne of my life and make him my supreme authority. And just so you know, you're not alone. I'm gonna have the whole church pray this together because why not? We should just start in this place with uh, elevating Jesus as King. So let's pray this together. Jesus, today I recognize you as Savior and the Lord of the world. And I confess to you that I've sinned, but today I repent and I turn to you and I invite you, Holy Spirit, to fill my life and I declare no spirit but the Holy Spirit is allowed in my life I'm all in in the name of Jesus amen alright this is what I want to do I want to, I want to begin I want to ask the band to begin to play a little, little bit louder and I want to invite you to active repentance so this is the time where you could stop looking at me you don't even have to look up on this stage I just want this room to be filled with prayer right now This is an opportunity for you to repent of anything that the Holy Spirit has pointed out in your life. So I want you to begin doing that right now. If there's any active sin in your life that the Holy Spirit's highlighting, any active addiction in your life, anything that He's speaking to your heart right now, I wanna invite you to begin to pray about that and just say, God, I'm coming into an agreement with your voice. See, what happens is He speaks to you 
And then you have the ability to say, God, I hear you and I'm in, in agreement that you're speaking this to me and I give it back to you, I surrender it back to you. And so if there's anything in your flesh, in your sinful desires that you need to repent of, I wanna invite you to do that right now. Don't leave anything unturned. Surrender it all to Him. Anything that He highlights, anything that you know is not of Him or from Him, surrender it to Him now. He will never turn away a repentant heart. He's not calling for perfection. He's not calling for legalism. He's looking for repentance and faith towards God. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now to come and fill this room and to fill our hearts. We give you complete ownership and authority. We declare together no spirit, but the Holy Spirit. I wanna invite you right now to begin walking through forgiveness. I wanna invite you to out loud forgive anybody that's hurt you, abused you, divorced you, molested you, offended you, mistreated you, attacked you, embarrassed you, shamed you, or rejected you. Remember this, friends, that the God of all the universe stepped out of heaven to bring forgiveness to you. Even Jesus on the cross, looking at his murderers, said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. So if God can forgive you for everything that you've ever done, surely you can forgive somebody else. Forgiveness does not mean that you have warm, fuzzy feelings of emotion towards the person. It, mean, it means that you're releasing the debt that they owe you, that you're releasing them, that you're unbinding yourself from their control over your life. And I urge you right now to begin to forgive anybody that's coming to your mind that you have unforgiveness towards out loud. Say, God, I forgive X, Y, and Z. Speak their name out loud and release them to God. It is so important to forgive. Do not bypass this. And you know if you have unforgiveness in your heart. The Holy Spirit's pointing it out right now. Unforgiveness towards a situation, towards a hurt, towards a pain, anything at all, please forgive them. Lastly, I wanna invite you to forgive yourself. Some of you are holding on to guilt and shame that God has already forgiven you of. Holy Spirit says, forgive yourself. What we're gonna do now is we're gonna renounce. That word renounce means to declare against to reject or formally decline. It means to refuse ownership of or authority over. 
Renouncing simply means that you're denying something or someone, declaring that you no longer want it in your life. And when a born again believer renounces, it removes any legal right of the tormentor in your life. Now, I know many people in this room have never done something like this before, and I recognize that. I recognize that some of you right now, you're feeling agitated. And I just invite you to consider, is that the Holy Spirit or is that something else? Some of you are feeling anger. Is that the Holy Spirit? Or is that something else maybe trying to stop you from engaging? Some of you don't even know if you believe all this. Well, let me just say it like this. What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose other than an unwelcome friend that you didn't believe in anyway? All we're doing is simply formally saying, nothing else is allowed in my life. So I'm gonna invite everybody in this room to engage with me in faith out loud to say this. I renounce and reject all sin. I renounce and reject all works of the flesh. And I renounce and reject all pride in my life. I renounce and reject every spirit that is not the Holy Spirit. I renounce every spirit of unforgiveness. I renounce every spirit of witchcraft. I renounce every familiar spirit. I renounce generational curses. I renounce the spirit of fear. I renounce the spirit of divination. I re- Matter of fact, before we continue, can I get some people on my deliverance team over under this cross? If anybody in this room is trying to engage with this, but your mouth is actively being shut, it's like you can't even speak, your tongue is being tied. That is not you, that is something coming against you. And if that's you, I want you to go over under the cross and they're gonna begin to walk with you through that. That happened last night, people responded to that. And so if you know that you wanna engage with this and you know that something is binding even your words right now, I want you to go over there and they're gonna begin to deal with that. Let's continue. I renounce the spirit of jealousy. I renounce the spirit of lust. I renounce all lying spirits. I I renounce the perverse spirit and the spirit of whoredom. I renounce the spirit of haughtiness and pride. I renounce the spirit of heaviness. I renounce the spirit of infirmity. I renounce the deaf and dumb spirit. I renounce the spirit of bondage and I renounce all seducing spirits. I renounce the spirit of antichrist. I renounce the spirit of error. I renounce the spirit of poverty and I renounce the spirit of death. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've come to take authority in this room and we renounce every spirit that is not from you, of you or for you in the name of Jesus. What I'm gonna do now is I'm gonna take authority by the power of the Holy Spirit over anything and I'm gonna speak directly to them and cast them out. I'm not asking you to pray. I'm not asking you to sing. I'm just asking you to breathe. Just breathe and receive from God what only God can do. In the name of Jesus, the Messiah, I take all authority over every unclean, ungodly, demonic and evil spirit in this place and in the people of God.
As I call your name and your family name, you will come out of hiding and come out of God's children in the name of Jesus. I bind every strong man in the heavenlies and I bind every principality and power in the spiritual places and every spirit that has come to block and hinder deliverance in the name of Jesus Christ. I take authority over all spirits of unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, revenge, retaliation. Every spirit reminding us of the past, I command you to come out now in Jesus' name. I command every spirit of addiction to leave now. Come out of the throat, the stomach, and the tongue in Jesus' name. I bind every spirit of witchcraft and every spirit attached to witchcraft and all spirits coming from Freemasonry, Masonic practices, and false and new age religions. I come against you in the name of Jesus and I command you to leave. I command every familiar spirit to come out in the name of Jesus. Every spirit that has come through the bloodline, spirits received by permission through through a family member, anything that has come from the father, mother, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, brothers, or sisters. I cancel every word curse and every family idol and every offense or violation made by a relative. I suffer every generational cycle and curse in the name of Jesus Christ. And I command every spirit attached to them to leave now in the name of Jesus. I bind the spirit of fear and command you to leave now in the name of Jesus. For God has not given us friends, a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Anything else is not from Him. I command the spirits of rejection, fear, to come out now in the name of Jesus. Every orphan spirit, every spirit saying that you are unloved and unwanted, and every father and mother wound, I command you to leave now in the name of Jesus. I command the spirits of anger, hatred, and murder to leave now in the name of Jesus. I come against the spirit of pride and Leviathan. I command you to come up and out right now in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of arrogance, haughtiness, vanity, ego, selfishness, self-pity, self-exaltation, self-promotion, competition, false humility, entitlement, and deserving spirit, I command you to leave now from the people of God in the name of Jesus. I command every spirit of lust, sexual immorality, whoredom, and all sexual and perverse spirits to go now in the name of Jesus. Do not be alarmed if you hear things happening. You will not be surprised if you see the the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So do not be surprised if you see the fruit or things come from evil spirits. Do not be scared. What's happening over here is deliverance and God is taking care of things that don't belong. Do not be freaked out. God wants ownership and authority, and He's bringing freedom right now to people. And by the way, if you need it too, He wants freedom for you. I command every spirit of molestation, physical and verbal and sexual abuse to leave now in the name of Jesus. I command every spirit of guilt and shame and hurt to leave now in the name of Jesus. I come against every deaf and dumb spirit, any spirit causing scattered thoughts, tiredness, and especially those that make you unable to pray or read or remember or understand the scriptures of God, I command you to leave now in the name of Jesus. I command every spirit causing sickness and disease to leave in the name of Jesus. Not every sickness and not every disease is a demonic spirit. Sometimes you just need healing. But sometimes, Healing comes with deliverance. 
It's not always one way or the other, but there was one woman that Jesus healed. And it says this, he looked at her and he said, this woman has been bound by Satan, this daughter of Abraham for 18 years. And today she is delivered and healed in a moment. The scripture says, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And so I lose healing over you now. And I bind every spirit of sickness in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for setting your people free. And we give you, come on, engage with me. God, we give you full ownership over our life and we give you all authority in our life. We say no to the flesh, we say no to sin, and we say no to every spirit that is not the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, I need the rest of the altar team. I need everybody that's on the altar team, I want you to go all the way over under that cross. Everybody that's on the prayer team, go under that cross or go all the way over under that cross. I want you to go all the way over so you can, uh, it'll be a little quieter. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna worship the King of Kings because he's worthy. The front of the altar here is just open for anybody that comes and wants to bow down before God, bring your personal, excuse me, personal repentance before God. You just wanna respond and worship the King, this front altar's for you. If you need prayer for healing, prayer because you need to confess something, or prayer because you know that something is still attacking you or binding you, and you know that you still need freedom, I want you to go and receive prayer from one of these folks over here for those things. And let's do that now as we begin to sing.